Hey everyone, I'm Dan Sege from Hydro Ottawa, and I'll be hosting the Think Energy podcast. So here's today's big question. Are you looking to better understand the fast-changing world of energy? Join me every two weeks and get a unique perspective from industry leaders as we deep dive and discuss some of the coolest trends, emerging technologies, and latest innovations that drive the energy sector. So stay tuned as we explore some traditional and some quirky facets of this industry. This is the Think Energy Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is the Think Energy Podcast. One of Canada's oldest hydroelectric generating station was commissioned right here in the nation's capital in 1891. Located in the heart of downtown Ottawa, a stone throws away from the Parliament building, Chaudière Falls is still providing clean and renewable electricity today, nearly 130 years after it went into service. While hydroelectricity first powered our great country, it was fossil fuel that became the dominant energy source of the 20th century. But it seems that what was old is new again, and clean electricity is making a comeback in a big way. I'm convinced it will be the energy source that powers the 21st century. Because Canada is a water-rich country, it's not surprising that water power is Canada's most abundant source of clean and renewable electricity. It provides more than 60% of our country's total electricity with an installed capacity soon exceeding 85,000 megawatts. As such, Canada is the second largest generator of hydroelectricity in the world after China. To reduce Canada's emissions of greenhouse gases that cause climate change, we must strategically reduce our reliance on fossil fuels and increase the amount of electricity we produce from non-emitting and renewable energy resources. Hydroelectricity produces no air pollutant and has ultra-low greenhouse gas emissions, especially for those stations that are run of the river. From a full life cycle assessment basis, Canada's hydropower is amongst the lowest emitting resources available. And like Chaudière Falls proves, hydropower assets can last well over 100 years if properly maintained making them very cost-effective long-term investments. Canada is already a leader in hydropower generation, but it has the potential to more than double its current capacity thanks to its abundant, untapped water power resource. Contrary to popular opinion, Canadian hydropower is cost-competitive, which helps keep rates low for customers. In fact, provinces with the highest hydropower installed capacity tend to have the lowest electricity costs. So here's today's big question. What's next for Canada's water power industry? What are the plans for growth nationally and what influence does it have on the world stage? Our special guest today will help demystify the water industry. Water Power Canada's president and CEO, Anne-Raphaël Audouin. Bonjour Anne-Raphaël et bienvenue. Perhaps you can start by telling us a bit about yourself, what drew you to your current role, and how you became an advocate for renewable energy, particularly 
Water Power? I think what really brought me to Water Power is um, a mixed bag of, of you know, training and experiences. Um, I specialized in environmental law at school. So my, my passion has always been sustainability and environmental protection. And after you know, graduating, I, was, um, I had the opportunity to work for EcoJustice for a bit, uh, mostly focusing on mining projects, but that kind of took me to the next you know, job, which was to work for Hatch, an international uh, engineering firm, where I worked on international project, uh, projects across the world uh, as an environmental and social impact management specialist. So that's where I got, I get, you know, my hands dirty in terms of really seeing how projects are, are done from start to finish, uh, the whole pre-feasibility to commissioning. Uh, so that was very, very good, a great experience over about four years. And then I kind of switched a little bit um, or wanting to, to have a broader approach to sustainability. So not just look at projects, but also look at corporate sustainability. How do you integrate that thinking into um, your processes, your the way you work with your employees, um, and also how do you continue to obviously implement the best procedures on projects? And so I, I looked at um, other opportunities, and, and I was then hired by what was then called the Canadian Hydropower Association, which we rebranded about two years ago as, as Water Power Canada. So that was my first real exposure to the water power industry, now about seven years ago, I'd say. Uh, which you know, time flies, as they say. Um, but it's um, it's been it's been a great experience because it really allowed me to bring my legal experience and my passion for sustainability in my role as as an advocate for renewable energy. What is the mission of Water Power Canada, and what kind of initiatives is it pursuing to advance and support hydropower nationally and even internationally? So we are a national trade association. Uh, so our mission as an organization is really to promote and actively advocate for uh, hydropower. That means, you know, promoting the existing assets, uh, the existing fleet, promoting the attributes, what it does for Canadians, what it does for uh, the country in general, and also promoting future developments, uh, be it sometimes reinvestment in the fleet through refurbishment, uh, redevelopments, or of course, uh, as well, greenfield, greenfield uh, projects. So we nationally, that's really our focus is to bring awareness. I always say my job is 50% government relations, 50% communications. Um, and they tend to marry in the sense that you're always communicating in this field, right? You're always trying to bring more knowledge and more awareness about your sector, uh, no matter who you, whom you're talking to. But it just you aim it a different way, depending on kind of wh where you focus, uh, what your focus is on. And then internationally, we definitely focus more and more on, uh, on working with the U.S. in terms of uh, leveraging the clean exports of hydropower to the U.S. It, it's not a new thing. You know, it's been ongoing for decades and it's been a huge source of wealth for Canada and for certain provinces in particular. Um, but it is something that we see as an opportunity in the future because the U.S. Um, have a a pretty uh, emission intensive um, electricity sector. And they're looking at decarbonizing uh, similar to us, right? But they don't have necessarily all the attributes ready to go that, that we can offer in Canada. Uh, and we are very connected 
north south so it is it is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense of uh, being able to send those clean electrons across the border without too many too many hurdles so we were we're also kind of deploying that kind of efforts internationally in canada we know about the environmental benefits of hydropower in terms of renewable energy cleaner air and less pollution overall perhaps less known lies under the surface and the impact of these facilities, particularly turbines, can have on fish and other water species. Can you talk a bit about what the industry is doing to contribute to the recovery of endangered, threatened, and other species at risk? The first thing I'll say is that our sector has been around for more than a century. So any impact that we have is very well understood and has been very well studied. And there's been a lot of research going into avoidance or when you, you cannot avoid an impact mitigation, right, which is the, the rule for sure. Um, so in terms of, of fish habitat in particular, um, I'll give you an example, which is something I've learned through my, my career working within the water power sector. Um, and it, it's quite interesting, and it happens across, across the nation, right, from coast to coast to coast. Uh, but you have requirements that are set uh, by the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, and also, of course, by your local uh, regulating bodies uh, that, you know, operate at different levels. And those those you know, dictate kind of the measures that you have to put in place. And in many cases, when you have a hydro site runoff river or reservoir, um, you know, you, 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 you tend to have offset, um, you know, protocols or uh, fish habitat banking is what we call. And, and without getting into the, you know, the, the terminology of, you know, that we use within the industry, but through those techniques, you actually have a great opportunity to operate a site that now has a greater fish population than what you found when you actually started um, with your greenfield project. And that has been seen and studied, and there's been a lot of you know, case studies presented on this where um, you know, different fish species actually respond very well to habitat banking and, um, and, and they're thriving more than what, you know, maybe the conditions that they were um, having before uh, the hydro site um, was developed. So it, that, that's just an example. And of course, it's a great success story, but it's not to uh, overshadow the fact that, yes, we operate in water, we do have impacts, and, and there's always, and there will always be room for improvements. And so a lot of research above and beyond those protocols and, and systems that we implement, a lot of research is actually uh, invested in making sure that the first rule is to avoid impacts. And not, not, you don't turn to mitigation right away. And Raphael, when you envision the future of hydropower, what do you see and what are some of the most exciting things that the industry is doing or that Water Power Canada is spearheading? So, you know, with COVID-19, of course, the landscape is different now. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm going to put that aside. And, and for the only reason that um, we don't know what's going to happen, right? We don't know what's going to happen post-COVID, the ramifications, how long it's going to last. So kind of crystal bowling uh, the future on this is, is a bit of a risky exercise. But if I, if I set that crisis aside, um, what was really exciting 
just you know over the past few years and what we were lining up and gearing up to uh, to work on was the huge uh, wave of refurbishment and redevelopment uh, the average age of a hydro of a hydropower facility in Canada is 50 years and that's about the same in the US right our assets are what we call generational asset uh, which is great because you can refurbish them you know, throughout generations, and, and it's yours to keep for decades and decades and decades. But what it also means is that every once in a while, you have to invest um, and inject those capital reinvestments so that you can continue to operate your fleet and also, you know, modernize the fleet. So that, that, that's very exciting because no matter what happens with the global pandemic situation, this is, this is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen within the next year or now within the next five years. But what it, what it means is that it's going to inject billions in the Canadian economy. It's going to sustain a lot of jobs uh, and it's going to help us decarbonize, you know, further. We, we already have about an 80% non-emitting electricity grid uh, thanks to hydro and other renewables uh, and thanks to nuclear. Uh, but of course, there's more room for improvement. And so anything you can do to leverage your existing fleet um, and, and just pull out those clean electrons is, is good news and very exciting. What do you think is the biggest myth or misunderstanding about water power? You know, I, I, th- there are quite a few, <laughs> so, but it, it raises my blood pressure when I think about all of them. So I'll just focus on one. <laughs> but what I, what I hear often um, and above and beyond the, the lack of knowledge, uh, generally speaking, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always mind-boggling to hear that people don't necessarily know or understand the role that water power plays in our in our generation mix Uh, but above and beyond that i think that the biggest misunderstanding is the fact that people really assume that hydro is an old uh, dusty non-innovative technology because we've been around for so long and it is it is actually really, really incorrect because we've been around for so long because we are extremely innovative, because we are extremely uh, fine-tuning research uh, every every corner that we take, right? And if we weren't innovative and if we weren't investing in digitalization and new systems, um, we wouldn't have survived. And so I always say that the original clean tech in Canada is water power and it is the most enduring one. Um, which is a pretty impressive fact. The hydropower sector contributes more than $30 billion to the Canadian economy and supports a labor force 130,000 strong. What kind of growth does Water Power Canada foresee in its future? So just through the refurbishments and redevelopments that I was talking about earlier, um, this is going to trigger a, a huge growth in the fleet because with no um, major new environmental impacts, um, with you know a, a, a pretty um, reasonable reinjection of funds into your fleet, you can actually get a lot more uh, generation out of an existing site. So that's that's very exciting, and and you know it's uh, it's going to trickle down in terms of economic ramifications. Um, but what what we will always kind of try and, and advocate for is to not let go of greenfield hydro, and and the exciting thing about hydro is it comes in many shapes and forms. 
So you don't have to just focus on large hydro reservoir. You also have runoff river of all sizes by the fact, by the way, because a lot of people assume that runoff river is small hydro, but you can have 1000 megawatt runoff river facilities, right? Which is pretty big. Um, but what's really exciting too, and we hear about more and more these days is pump storage. So we, uh, we, you know, we, we didn't focus too much on pump storage, I think as a nation in the past, because we didn't really have to. We had so many easily developable sites, uh, runoff river, reservoir, and reservoir is embedded storage, right? So it's, uh, it's a great, great way to have on-demand clean electricity. But now more and more we're looking at, um, at exciting projects that are uh, investing in pumped uh, storage and it's across uh, it's across Canada as well. There's a project in Ontario, another one in, in Alberta. So pump storage is basically a closed loop hydro system where you have elevation and you take advantage of that elevation to uh, bring water down uh, and then back up depending on cost of electricity and, and load demand um, so that you can meet peak load requirements um, and also uh, reduce your expenditure. Um, by, by, you know, managing that curve uh, in a very smart way. So it is, um, it is very innovative. It is, it is something that, again, has existed for many, many years. It's nothing new, but we, had, we, we haven't really invested a lot in this technology in Canada uh, so far. It's much more common in the U.S., but I see this coming more and more top of mind. Hydropower infrastructure is designed to withstand floods, and often plays an important role in flood mitigation and management. We've learned that in Ottawa the hard way in 2017 and 2019. Has climate resilience and adapting to the impacts of climate change been front of mind for Canada's electricity producers? Where do you see making the biggest impacts? So yeah, we, we are investing a lot in climate change research, um, and I'd say it should be a priority for any sector, probably in the world. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of research going on. We are partnering with modeling uh, agencies like Uranos, uh, who help us you know, understand not just the impacts on, on the hydropower fleet, but kind of bring in external factors as well that are going to affect climate change. The, the difficulty and the challenge in a country that's as big as Canada is the fact that your impacts are not going to be one general, one size fits all for the sector. So you won't be able to use general uh, categorization for, for your industry. You're going to have to look at regions, of course. And I remember actually a few years ago, during the floods that were happening in, in Ontario and, and Quebec, uh, my members in BC were saying that they were they were actually observing low levels in their reservoirs. Um, so that that just speaks to the fact that it's not just a small difference. You have an extreme event happening in one side of the country, and another extreme event event is a drought on the other on the other side of the country. So what that means is you have to be extremely flexible, um, and and people have to design, especially uh, when they refurbish and when they build new sites with climate change in mind uh, every step of the way. You've touched on this earlier, NFAL. Hydropower has been around for more than 100 years. What does the untapped potential in Canada look like? And what are some of the innovations within the sector that makes it even more attractive? Yeah, so that's one of the, the, the other misconceptions that I was, uh, I was alluding to earlier on, on a previous question. Um, 
when I when I talk to Canadians and also to policymakers sometimes, they, they tell me, well, you know, yes, we've got a lot of hydropower in Canada. It's more than 60% of our generation. Uh, but surely, because it's so big, we must be tapped out. There must there must not be any more hydro to develop. And and, and it's, uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. We actually have a lot of water in Canada. We've got good elevation, uh, great sites still to develop. So our, our untapped potential is actually more than double our existing uh, installed capacity. So we've got about 85,000 megawatt of current installed capacity. So you can, you can only imagine what we could do uh, if we were to just develop a portion of the untapped technical potential. And, and the great news about that, and I always emphasize that when I, when I speak at conferences or when I, when I you know, have uh, discussions with government and stakeholders in general, is to say that that potential is not just a reality in, a, in one province. It's a reality across the country. So when we look at decarbonizing, electrifying, all of those great things that you know, are happening, are going to happen um, you know, over the next few years, it's 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 just a, a must to look at what you could do with your hydro resources in your province or or in your territory because it's there it exists technology is enhancing digitization and automation of hydropower plants to realize their full potential what are some of the digital solutions around monitoring maintenance and service that you see the industry benefiting from either now or the near future so I, um, I hear a lot about virtual reality and also artificial intelligence in my sector. And of course, they're, they're two different things, but they tap into that new world of, of technologies that can help you operate your site in a different way. Um, I think anything that's going to allow us to have remote access to our sites, and that means from a controlling operation, uh, also from a supply chain perspective. I actually, COVID-19 brought one positive uh, from my perspective, which is uh, the fact that we're leveraging tools more and more that allow us to do remote inspection, for example. Because of course, during the pandemic, you couldn't actually go to, to warehouses and inspect equipment as it was coming in from China or wherever across the world, right? You had to just wait until it arrived on site. And sometimes we're talking big pieces of furniture, not just a, a screw and a hammer. Um, so just having tools that really allow you to get in and, and take a full scope engineering look at your equipment as it comes in before it is delivered is, is a huge progress. And, and those tools exist. And, and that was a, a huge discovery, I think, for me, because I, I wasn't aware that technology was that far ahead already, ready to respond. Another, another example, which is always um, interesting, because I've toured quite a few hydro sites. Uh, and, uh, and I remember at one of the oldest sites in Canada, um, you know, we, we were looking at the control room, tons of switches, uh, you know, uh, probably, a, I don't know, a, you know, a, a room that could probably accommodate eight to 10 people at one time. And, and uh, the operator was saying, well, we, we refurbished and now the, the person can actually control everything from his living room at home and his, uh, his, his laptop because it's all integrated. And, and the system is, is talking to that control room here on site. And, and that's all it takes. So automation is definitely going to be needed in the future, but it doesn't mean that we'll, we won't need, you know, 
physical you know staffing people to manage because of course it's it's still going to be a, a huge requirement but it is more efficient and and that that is every day that that kind of innovation happens you indicated earlier that water power in canada provides more than 90 percent of our renewable power and 60 percent of our overall electricity supply canada is blessed with an abundance of untapped potential residing both in existing sites and new developments. Any thoughts on the pros and cons of refurbishment and redevelopment opportunities versus the development of new projects? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's all case specific. Um, that That's the obvious answer. And so what, what makes sense for a site may not make sense for, for another one, meaning that, you know, we've got a lot of, of, um, of members that are actually assessing a specific site and, and considering everything like from decommissioning uh, which is you know turning off the lights basically and saying okay this asset has played its role and now we're going to return the site back to nature um, when the economic you know uh, just circumstances or environmental or just the general circumstances surrounding a specific site dictate um, certain decisions so I think it's it's not very common that you know, people would decide to decommission a hydro site because most of the time, even if it's just a, a little bit of generation, when you've had a site for 80, 90 years and you've refurbished it and maintained it over the years, it's still it's still a great provider of clean electricity. It's still a moneymaker for the utility or for the independent power producer. Um, so it, it's still definitely, a, 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 you know, a, just a, a great benefit to have within your fleet. But so I don't see any downside to refurbishment or redevelopment. I think it's uh, it's a low hanging fruit for electrification. It's something that's going to happen. It's just a question of when. And greenfield hydro is not going anywhere. I think it's just let's focus on what we can do first, which is refurbishment. Uh, it's it's the obvious thing to do, and it's needed. And in in a decade or two, we'll probably see another wave of investment in greenfield hydro. Before I forget. Um, are you able to demystify for our listeners what greenfield hydro is? Greenfield hydro means you take a site that is completely natural, uh, so a, an untouched site, and you develop a hydro site. And it, it, it's a terminology that can be used for any, any industry, not just hydro. So you can say greenfield mining, greenfield wind. It just means that you, you start with a, a site that hasn't been touched. Hydropower can provide abundant low-carbon energy with its storage from reservoir and pump storage. As the only renewable form of baseload electricity, how essential is hydropower to leading Canada's transition away from fossil fuels while maximizing environmental benefits? It's, it's not only essential, it's critical. Um, we always say that if we didn't have water power within our generation mix, we would be in a, in a terrible situation as a country because, again, 60% of our overall electricity generation is coming from um, that big renewable giant, which is water power. So, you know, if we take a step back and consider for one second the world we would live in in Canada without water power, it would be quite different and it would probably be much dirtier in terms of emissions. Um, so we, we start with a huge asset and, and a huge advantage compared to some countries. And, and you know, 
people from across the world come to, to Canada to actually learn about our, our mostly non-emitting electricity grid. How did you do it? What are the systems you put in place? What, what is your regulatory environment? Um, how did you get to where you are now? Um, but of course, it's not to say that we are perfect because we're not. We've got high emission um, or emission intensive sectors. Uh, some provinces are doing better than others for historical reasons, you know, different decisions. And um, I think we've been blessed with an abundance of natural resources across the nation. And so we shouldn't point fingers. It's really not about that. It's just about, okay, how do we get better? How do we clean up our system so that we move away from, from you know, um, negative emissions and, and move toward electrification, which is the priority, right? The, the, the easiest thing to do is to turn to electrifying our, our transportation, of course, and then buildings uh, and hydropower is there. You know, we, we just need the right, you know, economic environment, the right signals from government in terms of regulatory streamlining, for example, in terms of regulations that uh, incentivize investments in hydro and, and the sector will respond because we've got the resources to, to develop and, and do more to decarbonize Canada. You've touched on this earlier, but wondering if we can explore further. Both Canada and the United States are looking for ways to reduce carbon emissions to meet greenhouse gas reduction targets. With 60% of the U.S. electricity still being generated from coal and gas-powered thermal plants, is Canada's clean renewable hydropower becoming an attractive option for border states? How are those partnerships negotiated? Has it been an easy sell? Um, are those states coming to you? So it's, it's, as we discussed, yes, it's been something that has been done for years. So it's nothing new under the sun, <laughs> but uh, I think it's becoming more top of mind because big players like the mayor of New York, you know, for the past year has been saying, you know, we want to import a lot of clean and renewable hydro from Quebec. And he's right. You know, it's it's a few hours north of his of his state. It's available. There there are big surpluses in Quebec. It's the cheapest electricity you can buy, not just in Canada, in North America, and and it's a source of wealth for for this province. And and it's the same story in Manitoba. You know, who sends electricity to Minnesota and other states uh, neighboring that that border on that side of the country. Uh, with new transmission lines um, going through the approval process uh, in, in each of those jurisdictions. So I think this is definitely going to be um, more talked about in the future. Uh, I think it's, it's probably raising to um, news headlines more and more because of politics. And depending on, on the political environment on, on either side of the border, it can be framed as a positive story or it can be framed as a negative story. But real, you know, for all intents and purposes, for Canadians and for Americans, it is a great, great thing to do because you decarbonize your system, you have a low electricity cost, and on top of everything, it's clean and renewable. So why wouldn't you do it? Anna Raphael, how about we close off with rapid fire questions? Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite word? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a francophone, but there's a word that I really like in English, not necessarily for its meaning, but for the sound it has on, on the tongue. It's serendipity. I just find it funny. It's It rolls well. What is the one thing you can't live without? Uh, probably in equal measures. Um, my family and coffee. Is that an acceptable answer? <laughs> 
What is something that challenges you? Um, you know, just as a as a mom with a young family, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the terminology, you know, work life balance. But just trying to to set some time for what's important and not being consumed by work or other things. So just uh, knowing your limits, I think, is is going to be a lifelong exercise for me. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably traveling through time. Okay. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? Uh, that, uh, that you're on the right path. You know, continue, travel as much as you can, um, and, and learn from people who, uh, who want to mentor you, you know, on, on, on your path to, uh, to whatever you want to achieve. Because, you know, people want to help each other. That's what I've learned. They're always happy to share insights. And, and most of the time, you just have to, uh, to ask, and, and people will, will be there to help you. And lastly, what do you currently find most interesting in your sector? I think all the all the excitement around electrification, uh, the fact that we know this is probably the, the next industrial revolution. Um, it's hard to really tangibly feel what this is going to look like, but it's going to affect everybody in a good way. And there's not going to be one sector that's going to be left to the side because we're all going to need um, to collaborate. And so just that aspect of working together and being able to find new ways to uh, to, to revolutionize a system that has been implemented for years and years is very exciting. Last question for you. How can our listeners learn more about your organization? How can they connect? So website is always the, the, the first stop, I'd say, the waterpowercanada.ca. We're very active on social media too. So uh, they can find us on YouTube. They can find us on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, don't be a stranger because we love hearing from people. Thank you for joining us today. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of the Think Energy podcast. For past episodes, make sure you visit our website, hydroottawa.com backslash podcast. Lastly, if you found value in this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Anyway, this podcast is a wrap. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.